The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, hydrogen fuel cells, edible tires, and full-on Corvette race cars for sale. Plus, special guest Brian Moody from Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader. All that and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Tim. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and Tim DePasquale, a poster of the stars. Tim, how you doing, man? I'm fine, Bud. How are you today? I'm doing great. Hey, you're, yeah. you're starting to move into your new house. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. It's, it's exciting. It's backbreaking, too. <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff I've been collecting for the last 30 years is catching up to me now. Yeah, and you decided maybe I didn't need it as bad as I thought, right? Well, but, you know, I get caught up in reminiscing as I'm going through some oh, of the stuff. No. And my wife's saying, throw it away. But, but this is a Harley shirt from Hawaii. I know I'll never fit into it again, <laughs> but can I keep it? Deja vu all over again. Who was that? That was Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra. I couldn't remember if it was Yogi or... Yeah, now that makes sense. I yeah. was thinking it was Babe Ruth, but... Get a picnic basket? In the world... No, not that Yogi. In the, in the world of automotive news, remember the agave husk dashboards we talked about and the vegetable coated wiring right, on the new right, cars? Right. Yeah. You know, we talked about that over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford, I think, had the agave... A husk dashboard right, joke right. you could and you they're know, all using the you got, uh, yeah if you got stranded you could eat the dashboard right. maybe they're all using soy based wire installations so. oh yeah which is great you yeah. know if you leave your car somewhere for very long and the critters don't mm-hmm. the gophers make a yeah don't, don't make a, a feast of it mm-hmm. so i run across this article about goodyear making a tire from soybean oil rice husks and pine resin and right. this thing has already been tested this right. is, this is already this works right 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 Right, right, right. Yeah, you got notes is. written all over your notes. I know I do. Go where because you're... Goodyear says there are 17 sustainable ingredients that include things like recycled polyester, plant-based components like soybean oil, rice husk waste, and bio-renewable pine tree resin. So it also uses steel with a high recycled content and ISCC certification Mass balance polymers from bio and biocircular feedstock. So I'm like, well, what is ISCC certification to start with? Well, that's the International Sustainability and Career Certification, which is a globally applicable sustainability certification program. Could you repeat that? Yeah, right. It's and, not. Okay, so what are mass balance polymers? Well, Mass balance is a set of rules for determining the use of recycled content in a final product. So there you, you got go. more to go on this. We'll have to get back into yeah, this well, later in, later you. in the show. So are the tires going to attract rodents? Are you going to see I don't, rats I don't, eating I don't, up your tires? Chopping your tires is so good. You don't want to park your car in that neighborhood. Yeah. The rats <laughs> have them tires, man. All right, Honda, this is interesting. and I want to get you, I'm going to get you riled up. I know I will. There's no Volkswagen in this story, but I'm going to get you wound up. Okay, all right. All right. right. Uh, Honda is teaming up with GM to build hydrogen-powered cars. Right. Uh, The automakers revealed the Ohio-built SUV will use technology developed in partnership with General Motors. Now, you know the difference between a battery-powered 
electric car and a hydrogen-powered electric car. Right, on a hydrogen-powered battery or electric car, you don't have to have batteries. A battery, yeah. So you eliminate that, and it refuels at the same rate as if you were in a uh, internal combustion gasoline. Yeah, or diesel same power. thing at a gas station. The the difference is there there's no uh, infrastructure, but it's interesting to me that now every, someone the light has finally come on and say, hey, this is going to be difficult to make enough charging stations for electric vehicles. Maybe Bud was right several years ago when he said a combination of answers would be the answer. Did we mark that on the calendar, Bill, that Bud was right several no, years no. ago? No, it's up my mind no. entirely. Well, I know they've done it with natural gas at the truck stops. Right. All right, uh, which I'm trying to think Compressed of. natural gas. Yeah, love, at the love truck stops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, you know, hydrogen is a most plentiful element Right. On the planet. It's simple to make. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking this, you know, this is something worth looking at. Of course, if you get the infrastructure and everything going, not that any of this is government controlled, but if you get the the infrastructure going for hydrogen, Mm -hmm. you just put the battery-powered EVs out of business. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, but I mean the the money behind it. Right. Well, different things for different folks, but, you know, that's part of, I guess, what all of this money coming in for— Everyone is committed to EVs now in one way or another, whether it's uh, hydrogen or battery powered. You know, that's the that's the road we're on and the road we're going down. And as far as Honda and GM teaming up, I mean, it's not uh, uncommon. Honda had teamed up with Isuzu in the past on several. Was it the Honda Passport was actually an Isuzu vehicle that was rebadged. So as far as that goes, as you know building a uh g using a gm altium platform and then putting a honda body on top of it I'm, you know it's it's going to come to more of that if they if these but the ultimate the gonna... altium platform is a battery powered platform mm-hmm. so you know honda is going to release a battery powered vehicle it's going to be called a the prologue suv okay in 2024 i'm wondering why they don't use the the altium platform minus the battery pack and put their hydrogen fuel cell in there. Yeah, that's a very Or maybe good they're point. going to. Maybe they're going to. And no. how would we know? We will have to continue to do our research as we do. We will dig deep. As in homework. Yeah. Oh, my God. There you go. Thanks, you got buddy. another homework assignment, Tim. Okay, more well, well, let's go back to the hydrogen for a moment, okay? okay? This is from Lauren Fix, the car coach. Hydrogen uh-huh. electric cells are powered by hydrogen fuel cells, uh, electric cars. And they produce a chemical reaction between hydrogen and, and oxygen, releasing uh, a byproduct, which is uh, water vapor. Yeah. And they use the electricity to power the car. So, if there's no battery replace, the hydrogen fuel cell could be here to stay for a long time. The production of the hydrogen fuel cell has dropped 80% in cost. And what are batteries doing, Tim? Oh, they're going up. They're going the other direction. Right. And if you live in California, where there's always seems to be drought conditions, you could let your hydrogen-powered car idle and put a cup under the exhaust pipe to catch the water. That's a whole other can of worms, I would think. But uh, there's a lot of folks that are getting into this. GM, Honda, BMW, Mercedes, Benz, Volkswagen, and Toyota are all in the mix of automakers that are looking at hydrogen fuel cells. Well, it, and again, it goes to show that some of the light has come on where 
maybe other alternatives need to be explored. So if you're having trouble deciding deciding what color interior you want in your car and all the other options cars have now, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in a few years' time you're going to have to decide, you know, yeah, gasoline, electric, diesel, yeah, right. or what in the world is coming power? next. Well, what the government actually wants us to do is all ride bicycles. Oh, you think? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, but we got electric bikes now. Yeah. Right. I wonder if they make a little mini hydrogen fuels. I, somebody's going to do it. And do you know that electric bicycles are n- mandated? They're not allowed to go over 25 miles an hour or else they're called something else. They're not a bicycle anymore. Called scary is what they're called. Yeah. No 25 miles an hour. 25, well, there's some that will go plenty faster. And and it has to do... <laughs> my, my brother-in-law built a gasoline-powered bicycle. Oh. And uh, when they get to a certain speed, you, you can't use them on the sidewalks anymore. Uh-huh. But yeah, no you're kidding. not supposed to ride them on the street either. Yeah. So So where do you ride it? Around and around in your driveway? Or? I guess. Well, that's basically what he does. Yeah. He has a good, good time with it. But it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where this scenario takes us. Yeah, it is. The Rolex 24-hour in Daytona you know, was a few weeks ago. And uh, at that race, they unveiled a new C8 race car for individuals to purchase. Okay, so I, yeah. I ran some numbers on the, on the race car. Let me explain to you, first of all. This is the actual race car that was developed by Chevrolet and Pratt and & Miller. Mm-hmm. So this is a, this can go right to the track. It's not for the street. Uh, right. You're probably going to have to be a, I don't know if you've got to be a licensed individual or own a, a race team or whatever to buy this. Mm-hmm. I think if you were an individual and had to have this car, understanding that you can't drive it on the street, uh, and you come, you pony up the bucks, uh, you can have it. The, yeah. the, the funny thing about it is these cars are homologated by IMSA. All right, this would be a GT3 uh, spec of car. Mm-hmm. And these are actually less horsepower than the street right. Z06. Right. That doesn't translate to faster necessarily mm-hmm. because this, this car is a monster. $735,000 wow. for a full-up race car. So I ran the numbers for us because we're always interested in stuff like this. Uh, they're only going to make 20 of them, okay. supposedly. All right. But I, I bet the demand will want to make more of them. Oh, yeah. If we got into one of these, you and me, maybe we can get Bill to pony up on this. You, right. you into a race car? You'd have to climb yeah. in through the window. Right. No, the, the door opens. But then you've got to climb in through the roll cage. Well, uh, have you seen my, you know, you can see me. The radio people can't. So you do the math. Okay. I understand. <laughs> Maybe we can get one with T-tops. Bill. All right. Six, 60 months, $12,617.50 a month if we can get it at 3%. Well, I think how, I can through the credit union. I'm not sure. How much was the late fee? Uh, $13,885. Oh, I could swing that. <laughs> anyway, if, if you're getting ready to prepare for racing in 2024, this car will be available for you. And, and uh, I, I, I just think it's great that Chevrolet is doing that. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Z06 has been tested by the magazines, and it has been voted the uh, best performance car of the year for 2023. Good for them. Well, this is an amazing car. Yeah, it is. Now, the, the, the price point is still, you know, 130 to 160 depending mm-hmm. on what track pack and stuff you get for it. Um, but this is this is a 
half the price of some of the exotic cars that it can blow away. Yeah, and, and or keep we, up with. Us when with we talk value. about cars that are in this price range, I mean that's not for me. No, me but neither. it's amazing to me how many customers drive cars like this daily. Well, that we do repairs. That's on what the report regular. said. You can drive this thing on a daily basis right. because it's pretty, um, pretty tame uh, mm. in traffic and that kind of thing. I just had a customer in with a 2019. That's what your yours is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to do a little seat work. But he says it is a fantastic car for just driving around. Yeah, yeah, and you can still go. And you can still whatever you want to do. Time. So Tim, I just came back from Jekyll Island. Uh -huh. Took Molly there for her birthday. Molly oh. being our little cavalier. Okay. Two years old she is now. Right. So we did wow. the thing in the sand and, and took time a picture flies. of her. Yeah, sure does. Yeah. Well, as I'm driving down the highway either there or, or back, take mm -hmm. your choice. I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of equipment out here. I'm seeing people, you know, alongside building roads, you know, on the, on the, off, the, off the highway. Right. You, you're seeing the big diesel trucks out there. Mm -hmm. And I get to thinking, wow, I wonder, you know, how he knows where he's going to and where he's picking up his next load. And, of course, you got cars on the road with you. There is a place where you can learn how to work on that construction equipment how to work on the big trucks, mm -hmm. how to work on the cars that are out there. Right. That would be Lanier Technical College. Oh, absolutely. Here in Gainesville, Georgia. And they have got a program called Automotive and Tra Transportation Technologies. And so it is split into different programs. You have automotive technology, commercial truck driving, diesel equipment technology, marine engine technology, and motorsports vehicle technology, which I used to teach. Wow. And... It's a great place to get started in a career, and I want to emphasize this. These careers are careers you can put in your back pocket and do anywhere in the country. Absolutely. You get the skills. They all have you go to the website, LanierTech.edu, mm -hmm. and they have got all the programs outlined for you. You can check them out, see how long they take to get involved in, uh, you know, how much they cost and what the prospects are for getting a great job when you get out. Oh, sure. Without, you know, spending four years taking stuff you don't want to take. you don't want to Necessarily. Take. Yeah. You can come out and start making money right That's away. right. And contributing to society and, uh, right. you know, doing, doing a good job for and people. I don't think they have a basket weaving course at all. No, they do not. But check that out. Automotive and Transportation Technologies, Linear Technical College, LanierTech.edu. Well, this week's guest on Bud's Garage Overdrive has been on the radio show, Bud's Garage, probably, I don't know, 50 times over the last 10 years at least. Yeah, and at least. And we finally got him to come into the garage, <laughs> tracked him down, and uh, he is uh, just a great, great friend of the show. And we hope you enjoy this visit. This is Brian Moody from It Gets Me Confused All the Time, Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader. Right. Brian. Welcome into Bud's Garage Thank you Overdrive. for having me. Yeah, yes. welcome, Brad. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, often it sounds like people are booing, but they're not booing. They're chanting Moody. Moody. <laughs> yeah, see, Moody. Yes, they're not booing Let's at all. Let's go Moody. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> what in the world ever got you into cars? I mean, the short answer is my dad. So when I was a kid, um, we would go to the drag races. Okay. And I grew up in Los Angeles, and right. that's where he yeah, grew up. Really? Yeah, really. Right. He, yeah. when he was a kid, he he lived in Los Angeles, specifically a community called Lakewood, uh, which is just north of the city. And they would all shenanigans. They would get up to. Uh, my father was in the Air Force. They would 
use Air Force tools to rebuild their engines. Mm-hmm. They would drag race out on the airstrip. And then when he got sent back to home, when he got out, he would, you know, high school, all that kind of stuff. So when he grew up and had a kid, I was his first kid, we would do car stuff. Then his buddies would come over and they'd bring their cars and we'd go to car shows and we'd go to the drag races. And, you know, um, that's kind of how it started. And it stuck. So I, for whatever reason, I just, it just clicked with me. And I could see that uh, same thing with my kids. My one son, not interested in cars, but my daughter is interested. So that that's the uh, short answer. But you were immersed in it. I mean, California. Yeah. That, that's, that's where it all started. Yeah, especially when you have your dad. Like when you're, when you're little... And your dad does something. Also, my dad was a cop, so he would bring home these cool. He would be like, "Oh, you got to check out this cool cop car. It's got a 383 with a you know whatever they had oh, back cool. then. You know yeah. that was kind of cool." He'd drive by the house and turn on the light, the spotlight, shine mm-hmm. in our windows just to say, "Hey, I'm you know I'm checking on you." He's out on <laughs> patrol, yeah. Uh, just because when you're a kid, whatever your dad's into, and his buddies come over, and you go to the drag races, you know. I mean, it was I would have had to really hate it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I would have really yeah, had to hate it to be like, "No, thanks, Dad." Did you guys build a drag car, or did you just no, help the other guys with we theirs? just went, and I would work on my own car. So by the time I got, well, the first car I remember was, I have, I'll just tell you this up, up front. I always thought everyone had these vivid memories of being very small and throughout life that everyone does. Like, I remember specific conversations. I remember being in a stroller. I remember the thump of the stroller going over the taped down extension cord in the Air Force commissary. Like, I I don't know how I was cursed or blessed with this, but I have that. So my first car was a Jag XKE pedal car. I was going to say, if it was a real car, you did nothing but work on it. (laughs) No, no. It was a pedal car, the kind where the pedals go back and forth like this. Mm -hmm. The headlights turned on. The hood opened backwards you know with a little plastic engine it even had a horn and when you opened the doors opened it had a little map pocket in the side and the seat was upholstered in like vinyl or whatever and there was even a trunk that was the car that i was that was my first but then when i got into high school i had a real car i just started working on it sometimes because of financial necessity but sometimes because you're like i could probably do that i want to pay someone thousand dollars to do something i could do I wasn't pulling transmissions or anything, but I could take the heads off and I could, you know. And then I just started doing stuff and, you know, I don't know. It just kind of stuck. So what was your first real car? My first real car was a 1964 Buick Skylark that my grandparents bought new. And it was a hand-me-down that I bought from my brother. And it had that small 300 cubic inch V8. And I put glass packs on it and moon hubcaps. Sure. And I thought I was just yeah. the cat's pajamas but remember this was the 80s so not everybody else thought i was the cat's pajamas yeah they would have thought yeah. that back in the in the 60s but when i had the, everyone else had like honda accords and new five right, liter mustangs right. and now here was, I this, was this a two-door four-door no it was a two-door yeah two-door cool oh man i know it was cool um i probably wish i wouldn't have sold it it was a pillarless so it wasn't a special it was a skylark yeah uh-huh. no pillar you put all, all four windows down and it's open you know like a yeah it, it yeah, was a yeah good looking car it was fast enough, but, you know, if it had been any quicker, I probably would have been in trouble. Oh, yeah. You know, it made a lot of good sounds. Let's no. just say that. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. If you had one good of those. Good for cruising. you had one of those day with a 455 in it. Oh, my. I'm so, not much on the LS stuff. I like to keep stuff. There was a 60, so what, the, if I could have a, have anything, 
there's a 65 Skylark GS. Oh, yeah. Which has a, a 401, Ford. I think. Yep. If I could have a convertible version of that, that would be my dream car. They actually made one of those from the factory with two four barrels on it. See, how cool would that be? Yeah. I'd right. love to have that. I almost bought one for $3,000, but it was too expensive. I couldn't afford it. Well, back then, that was a ton of money. I know. Yeah. I, I probably could have, like, scraped together, you know, but for whatever reason, I was like, ah, uh, I don't know. Then Easy you realize you got to put go. gas in it, and then the insurance guy yeah. is lurking over your shoulder. That's true. That's true. So that was my first real car was a 64 Skylark, and I really did like it. And I even today think that they're very attractive cars, and they don't command the price of the of the Chevys mm-hmm. because everything you put a chevy badge on something from the 60s and it's automatically like 10 grand more yeah you, know, you could get you could get a really cool tempest you yes, could get a really right, cool yeah. buick uh, right, skylark right. like you say and i'm trying mm-hmm. to think of what else was out there the osmobile well, cutlass i will always cutlass, love right. Osmobiles. cutlasses yeah mm-hmm. yep. i had a starfire later but yeah yeah yep. so how how do you turn the corner from wrenching on cars to getting into it for a career did you go to a uh, I mean, you didn't go to a tech school to work on cars necessarily, but what, what no, did you? I was kind of do? doing two things at once. So there was sort of like there was sort of like parallel tracks. So all through high school, I took auto shop. I hung out with the guys that were, you know, car guys, and you mm-hmm. know, we had cool cars. We'd go cruising. Um, by the way, Sacramento enacted a no cruising policy in 1988, which I might be partly responsible for. <laughs> just really, just saying. Um, so then I went to college, and I didn't. I went to Cal State Long Beach in, in California, and I still was into cars. I bought an old Oldsmobile when I was down there. I bought the Starfire from the neighbor of my grandparents. I would work on the car on weekends or work on it when I was, I don't know, bored or frustrated, you know, and I want to think about school stuff. That one had a 425. Yeah, 425 with a four yeah, barrel. That yeah. was a pretty serious car. Yeah. But I also bought it for $100 in the, in, in the 90s because the wow. guy was going to send it to the junkyard. Oh, man. All he did was he pulled the heads off, Yeah. and he was going to do something with it, and I think he got sick, and he was also a smoker, so he was getting weaker as he got mm-hmm. older. He was going to give it to the scrapyard for 100 bucks, and I said, I'll buy it for 100 bucks. Sure. But this guy, old codger, he mm-hmm. drove a hard bargain. He's like, make it 150 and I was like... Oh. Right. <laughs> so I'm working on the car. I'm doing this kind of thing. At the same time, I'm going to college. I graduate with a degree in radio and television. It was electronic media, so they gave you a little bit of internet, a little bit of radio, a little bit of TV. And I did that for a while, and I liked it. And then I met my wife at work, and she was the one that said, you know, it seems like maybe you like cars more than you like TV. And... I was starting to see what she talked about because a lot of times when you're working in like local news, you're like, come on, car crashes and stuff. Yeah. I don't know if this is how I want to spend my, you know, mm. God given talent in yeah, my right. career on. Yeah. Oh, there's a big tire fire in Tracy. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Tracy, California tire fire. And you're like, I don't know about this. Let's make a graphic for the serial arsonist. So she's the one that said, <laughs> you know, and, and she was right. And so I started volunteering. I did a radio show in Sacramento for many years for free mm-hmm. where I would call in. The guy was a mechanic and he knew what he was talking about. He had SAE certification and had a shop. And I was just a dude that called in and was like, the new Saturn's cool. Yeah. That's it. And then from there, it just kind of went from, from one thing to the next. And my first real job that I was paid for was working at an internet company in Santa Monica that was an automotive website. And that was it. 
And then from there, I just kept, I was like, I think I'm going to keep doing this. Did you ever work at a gas station or a garage or a a dealership? So I worked at many dealerships all along the way to pay the bills. Um, Right after high school, I worked at a dealership, mostly cleaning up. Um, And then in right after college, I wanted to take a break kind of because I don't know, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I worked at a car dealership in Sacramento, California, where I was like the porter. So I washed the cars and I even told the guy, I said, I can fix some of these things that you're paying the mechanic to do. And he's like, well, like what? And I said, like, I can change batteries. I can change a water pump. I can, you know, I can fix the, the AC, the heating manifold, you know, the the vacuum tube. I can do that kind of stuff. I can't rebuild the engine in, in your, in your backyard, but I can, he's like, all right. So I started doing that. And I liked that job. That was the job where you got to drive home. He specialized in about five to 10 year old luxury cars. So I got to drive a lot of like Mercury Sables and a lot of like Lincolns from the time and like the Buick Park Avenue from oh, yeah. 1992, oh, right. you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And those, I really liked those cars. I still to this day have a soft spot for, is it a body, the Buick Century Olds Cutlass Sierra wagons? They're boxy. Yeah. I really like those. I still like those. Every once in a while, I'll see a Caprice wagon sitting somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the late model ones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, mm, I know a guy that, that deals in those, and that's all. You know, he's in love with them. Yeah. With the uh, the LT the LT engine that had the distributor behind the water pump that some engineer figured out that was yeah. a good place to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So then when in college, I had my own car and I did that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I did work at several dealerships and I got I got a, a real education about, you know, it's popular to say, well, you know, the dealers are all, you know, they're just out to get you. And I, I saw a different side of it. I saw, I worked for a guy who genuinely I thought was a good guy, the dealer, the owner. And I saw a lot of the customers were the ones that were kind of shady and didn't tell the truth and um, that kind of thing, you know, or you try to like help them and say, listen, buddy, you can't qualify for this Cadillac Eldorado. Remember, this is, you know, like sure. late 80s. Yeah. But we have this Oldsmobile Toronado that's the same exact car. It's got lower miles. It costs less. I've been driving this car. It's beautiful. It's like floating. This isn't a great car. Oh, that's not the same thing as a Cadillac. Right, but right. you can't qualify for the Cadillac loan, but you can. But this car is much less expensive, and it's got more equipment and less miles. You just couldn't couldn't talk people into things like that. And he was like, "Well, that's because you're going to get some kind of a bonus." No, I'm 22. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's no bonus. <laughs> my bonus is I get to drive that car home tonight. That's my bonus. Well, that that you know the you you learn people skills when you're at the dealership. Now, if you're not you know, I was a technician at a dealership, mm-hmm. all right? I, and I eventually became the service manager because you had to make sure that the technicians and, and you just had to, there had to be a firewall between. <laughs> right. You had to have somebody that knew what was going on with the cars and somebody that knew that was going on with the customers and yeah. kind of get the, the two together. Yeah. But, you know, you learn the people skills at the dealership. How did you transfer that to the computer skills and, and writing? I know that Radio and television broadcasting, mm-hmm. you did a fair amount of writing. I had stuff. some writing yeah. experience, yeah. yeah. And um, I think because I was fortunate in that um, I worked at a lot of places, including some of those television stations in, like, Sacramento and that right. kind of stuff, 
I had was fortunate that I had people that were, that were just helpful that would just say like, Hey, here's how you do this. Or, mm-hmm. um, I think I was naturally curious anyway. I wanted to know, well, how does, you know, we had a computer pr- pretty early when we first got married, my wife and I, we bought a computer pretty early because we wanted to watch, we wanted to watch online. The first thing I ever watched online was a deleted scene from Buffy the Vampire Slayer because something tragic had happened in the country at the time and the scene in the show was too indicative or provocative of that right you know like an explosion or something so the only way you could watch it was go online and we had to watch a half hour show in four separate videos because that's how it would stream so i (laughs) guess i was just naturally curious about that but then i worked from what we went from one place to the next and they just keep asking you do you want to do this and if you say yes then you end up doing it. You're in, yeah. And then they sometimes they pay you more too. But if you say no, oh, I don't do that kind of thing, then that's not usually a recipe for success. So you were open to. I was open to the idea. Well, I will say this: the first place I worked was an internet company, and I said, "Okay, I left television. I'm not doing that anymore." Right? This right. is this is this is 28 year old me. Then the wisdom of a 28 year old I'm all through with that I'm not doing that anymore and so one of the people I think it was the someone on the PR team was like hey we have this television interview that we want you to do and they want to know about car prices and 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 I was like yeah no I don't do that anymore and I thought you know when you're young and you think hey would you mind going out and sweeping up you think they're really asking when you're young right yeah they're not asking they're not asking. No, they're telling. They're telling you. Yeah, you're. He's you're going the boss. out to do an interview. No, she's the boss. Yeah, yeah. And I, but here's the thing: is I said, yeah, no, that's okay. I, I'm not doing that kind of thing anymore. And I went back to my desk, and the next morning I had an invitation with the directions, and you know, and I was like, oh, I don't think she was listening to me. Because <laughs> she wasn't. No, she wasn't. She was like, no, yeah, you're gonna do it. So, th- so then from then on, I did it, and then I think I came back, and she said, she said, well, that went pretty well. They liked you, so can you do it again next week? And then. You know, like as long as you. So I don't want to take credit by saying that I said yes, because I didn't really say yes. But once I realized that when your boss asks you, quote, hey, do you think you could go by? And they're not really asking. No, they're not really asking no. if you want to do it. But they're telling you. But when you do that and you have the automotive background, yes. you provide the viewer with so much more of a perspective than you would if you're somebody from the cubicle that runs out. That's fair. Yeah. Um, because last time Tim and I went to a car show in Atlanta, which is, it was a, it was a pretty sorry car show. Oh yeah, Let's it just was. Put it that way. I'm surprised by that yeah. because you know Atlanta is a big city. Yeah. And a lot of people here like cars, and in terms of the media market size, that yeah. usually determines. Do you know um, there's about 200 markets, um, and Atlanta is like is like seven or eight. It's pretty high. But the people wow. that were on the car displays had a little like, I know. cheat sheet. They didn't know anything because about there's cars. no Because yeah. for whatever reason, the show hasn't been, I don't know how to say I'm it. I'm not knocking the Atlanta it. car show. I was just saying it, yes. it's, it's how things have evolved. It, 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 isn't, you know. it, isn't, it isn't a spectacular experience when you go down there. That's the, that's the bottom line. They park cars and they have people who are giving you the information. For a city the size of Atlanta, it could really be something special, but mm. it's not at this point. But I would love to see it if it was. So would I, but do you do you blame that on the on the internet or the because you can get so much information on a car now, or the fact that when you were a kid, mm-hmm. when new cars were coming out, you had your your face pressed up against the showroom yes. window, 
That doesn't happen anymore. I think it's a little bit of both because one of the things that we found, so at Auto Trader, we actually did a survey a while ago and asked people these very things that you're saying, like, hey, do you even want to go to dealerships anymore? And then COVID came and it made it so that people didn't feel safe going to dealerships. Sure. Well, okay, so that's both good and bad. The good is that the dealerships that were already heading down a certain road, which is to sell cars online, right? That mm-hmm. was already going to happen. Right. It sped all those things up. So that's the good part. But then when we did the survey and asked, you know, what was funny is that the younger the buyers, millennials, for example, they do want to go down there. They do want to see the car in person and touch it and drive it. They may want to apply for the loan and do all the stuff back home at their on their laptop, but they do want to be have an in-person experience. Wow. That's interesting. Yes, because, it sure is. You know, just getting the millennials to work. <laughs> the car seems like you know you you brought up auto trader let's yeah. let's stop for just a second yeah. and, and and address your official title well my title is executive editor for auto trader and also kelly blue book but that's because kelly blue book and auto trader are owned by the same company which is cox automotive oh, okay so really at this point my job is more to do these types of things to be a spokesperson and to help with advise on some of the like hey what list do we do but Generally speaking, um, that's my title, but functionally it's much different now because there's Cox Automotive owns many automotive properties. They own Mannheim Auctions. They sure. own Kelly Blue Book. They own Auto Trader. They own lots of different now, things. Now, is that the same as Cox Media? It's the same parent company, okay. but not the same division. So, Correct. for yeah. example, Cox Media helps to create some content that goes on Cox Cable and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's also Cox Cable, Cox Internet, Cox. There's yeah. many different Cox things. Oh, okay. They even used to have radio and television stations, but I think for the most <clears> part. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, the radio and television I think for the most part, those are managed by someone else now. So you're doing this stuff all the time. I've seen you on Fox and Friends and other places like that. Tell us a little bit about... You know, I th- I think of the folks. And I'm, I'm not I'm not picking on anybody. You know, the, the broadcasters that are on the air every day, they do a great job at what they do. But when you show up with four or five cars, mm-hmm. and they are car clueless because they're they're riding, you know, mass transit or right. limo takes them to the, the right. studio or whatever. What kind of what kind of weirdness does that present to you? Because you're talking about stuff that, you know, I can see them glassy-eyed is yeah. to, you know, some of the things you're saying, and, yeah. and they just don't. Well, uh, so here's what's good about that. There's both good and bad. There's they're excited. Some, well, they're excited because yeah. they don't, you're, you're telling them something like, you know, uh, there's more than 50 models of electric cars. They didn't know that right. because yeah. they live in New York and they don't, they don't necessarily buy cars. People who don't live in New York and people who live in other parts of the country it's surprising. Every once in a while, you run across someone who's they're a real car person and they know what you're talking about and they like to ask good questions. Um, but the people who don't know that much about cars, well, that's why they that's why they asked you. That's why they have me come because sure. they want. Yeah. They're like, well, you you're the person. You tell us. So I don't mind that part of it so much. Um, same reason they have like political experts. Someone no, that's comes true, on, yeah. you know, they, a guy comes on and he used to be the strategist for the George Bush White House or whatever. Great. Let, let, I'd love to hear what it's like on the inside. I don't know that. I've never been sure, in those circles. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, a valid point. Yeah. Sure. So it's both. You get both. You get some people that are really into it, and then you get other people that you can just tell they're just asking the questions because, you know, they were told to. Have you ever run into anybody that didn't have a car story if you, if you went that direction with them? That they didn't have their own car story yeah, of some kind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
no, usually everybody has a story about their buddy's Pontiac or their mom's Toyota that they used to sneak out one night or they didn't set the handbrake right. <laughs> There's always something like that because cars are just such a part of our lives. They're so ubiquitous, you know. What other jobs were you doing along the way just to get you to where you are now? I mean, you've mentioned a few yeah. of them, but in broadcasting, once once your your boss ignored you and, yeah. and gave you the note to go out, did you enjoy that? I did enjoy that. Okay. I, I felt like the thing I like about the thing I like about broadcasting, and that's whether it's radio, whether it's television, or whether it's podcasts or whatever it is, is that I love the idea that everybody brings their own particular skill, and no one person can really do all that. And yet, when everybody brings theirs together, it makes something pretty cool. I also like that at the end of the day, you have something to show. You know what I mean? You have a thing. I can point to, here it is, it lives online, or it's in a tape, or whatever it is, there's a, there's a thing that you can point to. That's the result of the work that I did. I like that part of it, too. We have had you on the uh, Bud's Garage um, broadcast forgot what it was for a minute. Yeah. This is a podcast that was a broadcast. All right. We've had you on there many times, and it's been for Car of the Year or, or uh, testing that you've mm -hmm. done mm -hmm. with consumers, that type of thing. Do you get to participate in those directly? Yes. Yeah. So I drive the cars. We evaluate them. Um, that was my first job mm -hmm. uh, when the woman said, hey, we'd like you to talk to this TV station. The, my real job was to write car reviews, and, and that's continued ever since. So... We'll, a, a group of us will drive cars, score them, evaluate them, email back and forth. Well, what do you, why is this one better than this one? And sometimes you have to kind of fight for like, oh, no, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why that's even in the running. This one's way better. And sometimes you win and sometimes you don't. But the, but the good thing is, is especially with Kelly Blue Book and with Auto Trader, is that it's usually a consensus. It's not just one person saying these cars are the best. It's a group of people who's driven the cars, who's used them in real life, and who's scored them on criteria like seat comfort and road noise mm -hmm. and value. So, yes, that is the fun part of the job a lot of times. Um, everyone always pays attention to that job when you're driving, um, you know, Cadillacs and and, uh, sure. and Audis. They don't there's – there's another part of it where it's like, okay, so here's the base model of a $25,000 car that you drive around, and you're like, this isn't that much fun. I don't, know I, I don't know if I like this car. <laughs> are are the people involved in that consensus? Are they all car people necessarily? Yeah, yeah. And different people have different um, lifestyles, so mm -hmm. that's what's helpful. Uh, so there's one woman that we that we use uh, for Kelly Blue Book. She's a staff writer. She's very knowledgeable about trucks. Like she knows everything there is to know about four wheel drive, off road. She used to work for a magazine that specialized in that. So she knows all that stuff. So when one of us has a question about, well, why would they do this? She knows the answer. Oh, because they had to package it this so that something else wouldn't hang low and they can still get their off-road credentials and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then there's other people that just have, you know, like a mom with uh, three kids is just as valid as a automotive guy who has a hot rod in his Right, yeah, carport, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because because they come up with stuff like the seat belts. I don't know if you remember this or not. I remember a few years ago, uh, they may still have it, but there were certain Fords that had an airbag seat belt. Yeah, right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And for the back seat especially. Well, I had little kids at the time, and those seat belts were very cumbersome and almost impossible for the kids to buckle themselves in. Right. 
once you graduate to a place where your kids can buckle themselves into the car, it changes your life. You, you can, you save time. You don't have to have leaving to go to church or to the store or a trip be such an ordeal. It's mm-hmm. just, hey, just get in the get car. Get in the car. <laughs> yeah. Done. Right. Click, click, done. Yeah. But those, you know, that, and so that was the thing that we came up with as a parent, not necessarily as a car expert, but just as a, a mom and dad that were like, hey, I don't think I would ever buy one of these because those seatbelts are so hard for our kids to get. Every time you got to reach back there and, you know, that Yeah, and, and the minivans, when the minivans came out yeah. for families, that was like... You know, an aha yeah, that was a moment. Why would you buy anything else? Because a kid can claw his way into the, the car, and you know. Yeah, and some of them are quite nice. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's the, really it's the ideal vehicle, yeah. in my opinion, for if you got one vehicle to do everything, but nobody wants to be seen driving one. I, you know, I I think that's a little silly. The first minivan or the first car, the first automobile I ever drove that had adaptive cruise control was a Toyota Sienna. And that was a long time ago. Like, they had that in, like, the 2000s. If you got a limited Sienna with the something-something package, you could get adaptive cruise control oh, wow. way back. And that was – and at the, I remember at the time, we were, like – we were all shocked. Like, oh, this minivan's $40,000. I can't believe that. Well, they're more today. But, you know, um, minivans are nice, but you're right. They have a stigma. Right, a stigma. I don't that's know if exactly I, right. I think that's a little silly because well, they're so functional. You're right. looking at two guys, though, that used to drive Econoline vans. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the day when they had a doghouse, it was in between the seats. I, I was still, hauling, I, I was still, hauling band equipment. He was hauling tools, and I still you know. drive one. <laughs> Those I things last in my though. fleet. Oh, you still got one? Yeah. I didn't know you. I thought you got rid of your Econoline mm-hmm. van. No, no. It's a. You should always keep an Econoline van in the fleet. That's yeah, but that's just, a big one. That's not the old. The old cab over one is it? oh no it's not the cab yeah, over I, one. I had the old yeah. cab over ones <laughs> oh my. those are reliable though like they last well yeah. What could you, yeah there was nothing to them right minivans today are pretty reliable too i just think that it's not you know arguably you can get the same thing in a minivan in an suv and i guess people just don't think minivans are sexy well no manufacturer has really gone to the trouble of improving making a a a variant with a heavy-duty suspension and maybe an upgraded engine and maybe programming the transmission a little bit differently yeah. for performance so that you could. Yeah, you know. that's fair. There is, if you go online, you can find a, someone made a 1,000-horsepower Odyssey. I oh, saw yeah. that. That, <laughs> that is exactly Smokes what the tires for yeah. like, what could right. be more? What could be more useful to you than exactly. a 1,000-horsepower Odyssey? <laughs> I could see it. You could see it. You could see shag carpet and a little round window in the back is what you see. Because that's basically what they were at that, mm-hmm. at, at that point in time. I mean, vans were cool. Yeah. But that wasn't a minivan. I can remember There's going a difference for, between a van and a minivan. There is. Yeah. I remember when we were kids and we were going to get a new car. We had five kids in my family. And that was just enough to make a sedan not be able to work. And so... Yep. I do remember going to a dealership and going for a test drive in a Chevy van that was set up with, you know, multiple seating. Mm-hmm. We ended up buying, my dad ended up buying a Buick estate wagon, not a, not a van, because the van was... Did it have the rear-facing seats? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, the, the <laughs> like, okay, so I remember this as vivid, as clear as day. We went on a test drive at this Buick dealer down by our house, 
And my dad said, each kid is going to get in that back seat and we're going to go on the freeway and we're going to make sure no one is going to get car, car sick, sick no one, because I do not want to buy at the time was a $10,000 car. And then my kids are like, I don't feel good. And she said, so we're going to be in for it. Like we're, we're doing it. And the salesperson got a little, uh, a little huffy halfway through. And I think my dad said something like, I'm happy to drop you off, but you know, we're not not driving the car with everybody in and sh so we all switched positions we all drove for about five or ten minutes to see if we get car sick we didn't and he bought the car and he ordered it he ordered it because he wanted cloth seats in the front for him and my mom and then vinyl seats in, in the, the back, back so you could hose it so up the kids could whatever. <laughs> <laughs> i spilled my ice cream cone good <laughs> so on your test drive were you making faces at the drivers behind you uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. We would do that. Uh, my well, brother, With the truckers are back there, you're going... Rrr, oh, all the time. Oh, yeah. All yeah. the time. We used to go from Sacramento to Los Angeles on a, uh, family car trips all the time because my father was from Los Angeles, and so his parents still lived there, my grandparents. So we would drive down there all the time, stay with them, go to Disneyland, and then drive back. So we had five hours, six hours, seven hours on the freeway. Nothing to do. No entertainment system. No... CD player until much later, just, just bugging your brother. Uh -huh. Punch bugging. and uh, you yeah, know, punch right. bugging. Yeah, yeah, We would do, uh, what's the license plate game where you do, like you have to come up with the alphabet or something like that, you know, where you, you start with A and then you have to find the letter A on a license plate. Oh, or a okay. Car. That kind of stuff. But, you know, that only lasts for so long until you hear, shut up. He's <laughs> looking at me. No, you shut up. <laughs> <laughs> He's sounds touching like a Chevy, me. <laughs> sounds like a Chevy Chase movie, doesn't it? Yeah, right. <laughs> Lots of beer nuts and, and Dr. Pepper. Wagon. Beer nuts and Dr. Pepper. And you know, back in the day, well, you probably in your in your time, a lot of places to stop. But when we were kids, mm -hmm. there was no place to stop. If you if you hit an A and W root beer stand, it was right. like Mecca. I know. You know, it was crazy. There were some places. There wasn't. It's not as quite as like it is now. This was up and down highway. 99 or our i5 but yeah i remember many times bathroom breaks would be you know kind of out in the field or whatever uh -huh. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, go behind the tree yeah and i remember my mom thought it was hilarious to uh when the boys would go out and go up behind a tree she'd start honking ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, that's payback <laughs> funny mom <laughs> yeah what if, what are some of the things non-automotive that you do I, I it's hard for me to not do automotive stuff in some right. way or another. Do you, do you have any hobbies besides cars? I love to play tennis. Um, I recently bought this automated tennis machine, a ball returner, where mm -hmm. you can just sit there and hit balls back and forth all day long. Uh, I like that. Um, my son is a music a musician so mm -hmm. he writes and produces his own songs cool and so he and i kind of have that together like we'll every couple of weeks go sit out in whatever car i have and go hey let's uh, listen to this or listen to that and since he's 20 years old like you can play something for him from him from the 60s all the way up to like the 2000s and he's never heard it before so because he doesn't go back and listen to that much old stuff he listens to new stuff right and so if i play him a song from the 80s i'm like hey what do you think about this He's hearing Erasure for the first time. Yeah. Or I can play him, this is not anymore, but I can play him a song like Air Force Ones and be like, that's the first time he's ever heard it. Mm -hmm. And then he'll play for me, oh, listen to this. So that's fun to do that kind of thing. 
Um, tennis is interesting is that things. you go out to the car to do it. Well, so this is the thing. What happens when it always gets back to cars? My son not interested in cars at all. Just not that interested. Isn't that crazy? He kind of gets it. Like he sort of sees. Like you know, I see that there's a design and that there's colors and this and that. But over Christmas one year, we had a we had a Range Rover, hundred and ten thousand dollar Range Rover, and we went out and listened to music. And he was like, he didn't say much. He's like, oh, this one's nice, yeah. And then the next week, we go out and listen to music in a, another car. And he goes, well, this is nowhere as good as the last one. <laughs> the hundred and ten thousand dollar twenty five speaker. Yeah, it's better five thousand dollars yeah. stereo. Yeah, yeah. Of course right. not. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, okay, I'm starting to get it. So even as a kid, he said this to me one time, when he was nine, he said. Dad, are you disappointed that I don't like cars the same way you do? And I was like, no, I don't. It's fine. We have a lot of other things in common. And he goes, that's what I thought you would say. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. That was like, he'd been thinking about this. And I was like, I could have really screwed that up. I, I didn't give it any. Wow. I didn't give it any thought. Yeah, I just said whatever came to my mind. Yeah. Which is, you know, sometimes a liability, let's just say. Sometimes people that do this, uh, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> maybe you're... You're supposed to slow down. But I was like, wow, I could have really screwed that up. But, you know, being a parent also takes up uh, yeah. a great deal of time. And I also like to travel. I really do like just being other places and other countries and other, like, little small towns that, like, no one's ever heard of. I just love that. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think in 2019, my family and I drove, we went to a, 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 a minivan event in Idaho, a minivan event. Yeah, like they had, okay. hey, bring your family, put everyone in the minivan. We're going to show you why our minivan is the best minivan. It was the Chrysler Pacifica. Oh, okay. When it just came out. We're going to show you why it's the best one. All right, great. Let's go out and drive there. It was Wyoming. I'm sorry. Did I say Idaho? I think it was Wyoming. Anyway, Doesn't we matter. drove. We couldn't point either one out on I a know. map. You know? <laughs> it was so it's, but a place I had never been before. Remarkably beautiful. And we drove a minivan back from Wyoming to Atlanta with three kids. And it was fun. Like, it was a, a real delight. We were driving along in the middle of Nebraska, the middle of nowhere. Like, there's nothing but you, a road, and open fields. And my kid goes, who owns those animals? And they were like, I don't know, deer or a gazelle or something. Just, he's like, who, whose are those? I'm like. They belong to all of just, us. Yeah, everybody's yeah. just out there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I like that kind of thing, too. So you don't, you don't think about that on a road trip, you know, when you see the wild animals and stuff? No. That's, yeah, that's... Whose jackrabbits are those? <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> all of us. Amazing what kids now, will now ask. Do you, do you mess around at all with project cars? Do you, or you get enough of cars during the, the rest of the week that, you know... I took a break for a while mm -hmm. because it got to be where I wasn't enjoying it and I didn't have a second car at all. Um, but now I have a Saab 9.3 convertible mm -hmm. that I bought recently that I really enjoy. It's a great driving car. It's a good-looking car. Um, it has... There are fans of that car that have an online presence that are like, you know, even for something that you love, you know, I think it's kind of like Corvettes. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah. I, I get it. Corvettes are great. Not, nothing wrong with Corvettes, but you're like, but online, you're like, okay, let's just take it down like three notches. It's not... It's, you're not saving humanity here. You know what I mean? Like, it's a great car, but let's don't go. Let's uh, neither, go is neither is a Corvette. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, let's, don't, let's take it down a notch. But these people are into it. They are well-built, cool-looking, fun cars. And I really like that. Um, if I could have anything and money was no object, I would get like a Toyota 2000 GT or 
a BMW 507. One of these, like, you know, these are hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't think I'm ever going to swing that. Yeah. Because that's the, how do you, how do you start that conversation? Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the problem is you get to drive some of that stuff. Yeah, from time sometimes. To time. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Nissan had this really great event several years back where they brought out all their old cars. Oh, that's neat. That was cool. So I got to drive an original 240Z that I don't think it had been restored, but it was very low miles. And you know what was remarkable about that is that like that 240Z from the 70s, you drive it today, by today's standards, it was still a really nice car. It was powerful, it was smooth, and it handled really well. It was, it was, you can tell why people at the time would have thought, oh my gosh, this is a revelation. Because even today, a 240Z was like, this is really good. This is a really good car. Yeah, it's like the uh, the old, uh, I can't remember whether it's C2, C3. I never keep track of all this stuff the way I should. But like the old Corvette string, Stingray, the split window mm-hmm. coupe when it first came mm-hmm. out. Man, I thought that was that was it. And you see one today, and it's still... Still good looking. It's still. But yeah. I've worked on enough Corvettes yeah. to know that it's still a 54 Bel Air underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Well, I mean, in that era. It's, a, yeah. it's still a 63 suspension underneath it. Isn't it? that funny that like it kind of, <laughs> in some ways, it ruins the mystery of it for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, it does. That 65 old Starfire that I had in college that I bought for 150 bucks, I could not get that thing to run for the longest time. I had a rented garage in Long Beach. I had it all put back together, all this kind of stuff. Here's one of the reasons why I didn't work on cars as much anymore. On that car, they had cast iron heads for a 425 V8. Yeah. Those are heavy. Yeah. Like I, when you go to put it back on, they have these little tabs, right? And you got to get it on the tabs. Okay. Yeah. If you don't get it on the tabs, like my arm started like, <laughs> I, I was going to drop it. So I had to put it back on the ground yep. and then give myself a break, you know, and then try it again. Put it all back together. Couldn't get it to run. Then this homeless guy comes down the alley. This homeless guy would come every weekend looking for cans. And he says, oh, you can't get it to run, huh? And I was like, okay, yeah, right. And, and just keep going. And he goes, well, you mind if I help you? And I'm like, well, this ought to be good. So I said, well, what would you suggest? And he goes, I already gone through a whole battery trying to crank it over. couldn't get it to start. And he goes, well, get in there and crank it over when I tell you. So he takes a wrench and whatever, 916 socket and all this stuff. He does a few things, and I crank it, and sure enough, it backfires through the carb, and like, it, first sign of life I've had since I've had the car for probably... So he turned to the distributor a little bit, of, yeah. got it in time, and away you I go, I didn't right? know. Yeah. I didn't know. I figured I put it in right. I looked at all the, measured up all the marks and everything. He knew what he was doing. So then he does do it again. He does some stuff, adjusts it, and now it's running. This homeless guy coming down the alley gets my car to run, and I never saw him again. Huh. Really? It's craziest thing. I was like, can I give you money? Can I? No, no, no. Um, and I said, well, how about if I get you something to drink? And he goes, yeah, just no alcohol, though. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, okay. So I gave him two cans of squirt in a, in a can. And he opens one up and he drinks it. And this is the craziest thing. I, I'll never forget this. He says, you know, you don't know how much you miss something like cold soda until you haven't had it for a long time. This is the nicest thing I've had in a year. And wow. I was like, well, 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 can't, what, what if I, nah, I'd rather just be out here. And walked away, I never saw him again. And that guy, then I got, I drove the car, I fixed the rest of it, I patched the leather seat. I don't even know the guy's name. I gave him a jacket and two cans of squirt. And he got my car to run. 
Isn't that crazy? That's a good day's work for him. <laughs> yeah. You got to wonder, though, what, what he did. He was a mechanic, he told me. Okay. He couldn't stand. He's like, I can't stand all their rules. Well, you know, there's a certain amount of people. Who I go, fall yeah, into but that you know, category. you can't just do whatever you want when you're dealing with a mechanical thing and it's a customer's car. Like, you have to go by some. Ah, no, they have too many rules for me. But he clearly knew what he was doing. But I never saw him again. Craziest. That's the craziest thing. And wow. and that '65 old Starfire, I should have kept because it was the one that had the exhaust that exits through the back. Yep. Remember that? How those yep. little strip. Oh my gosh! I thought that was so cool. And then I sold it. Yeah. So let me ask you this. From from watching this this homeless person that yeah. was a mechanic, yeah. did you go back and try to figure out what he had done to get it running that you couldn't do? I did. And I think what happened was I may have had one of the spark, wire, spark plug wires crossed, mm -hmm. but that wouldn't have explained it fully. It still would, should have run, but off. And I think that I had the distributor in 180 degrees off. That's what I think. That's why I backfired through the car. That's what I think happened. Yeah. And yeah. he knew enough to see, you know, it just goes to show don't underestimate people. No, mm -hmm. and that because, is so easy to do yep. on a GM car, put it in 180. And that's what I did. And I didn't have the experience. But here's, so here's one of the reasons why I stopped working on cars. Not because of that guy. I thought that guy was super helpful. And I was, I felt like it was a blessing to have that. When I took those heads off, I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go down to this, this machine shop and he's going to take all the valves off and I'm going to grind them myself or whatever mm -mm. and he goes well the guy at the shop he goes you want me to just do that for you uh i don't know maybe just resurface the head and i'll do the rest okay but i gotta take the valves out anyway all right yeah and i go really and he goes yeah and he says, only an extra 50 bucks and i go okay well all right i'll be back on monday and he goes hang on i'm gonna do it right here so he puts the head on a table takes down from the from the ceiling, you know, this pneumatic... Air hose with a air hose spring with a spring compressor. Takes him out. He does the whole thing in maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, that would have taken me three days. Wow. So then I was like, maybe the professional should do this. Yeah, right. Because yeah. I didn't get that much fun out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't that much fun I've grinding cleaned, your own valves. Well, I've, yeah. I've cleaned enough carbon off of valves with a wire brush on a, you know, on a, on a bench grinder. Yeah. The thrill is gone. I mean, that, you, you only snort so much of that stuff. That's what that, I'm saying. Like, yeah. here's this guy. It cost me $70 to get my heads resurfaced on the valve. Why? What was I trying to prove? That I could do it? Well, that's it. Uh, yeah. You want to have the experience of saying that you could do it. Well, Mr. Haynes from Auto Shop and the Briggs & Stratton that I worked on, he knows I can do it. That's so, all that matters. Well, that's all that matters. That's, that's all that matters. <laughs> Next time you buy a car with a Briggs and Stratton in it, you're good to go. <laughs> so you're doing, you're doing this work that you do now. Yeah. But you started out by doing interviews and things like that. Yeah. What, what is the position of executive editor, and, and how, do you get, how do you get to Auto Trader or Kelly Blue Book? Those are big outfits. I started out as – so here's how that started was uh, – when I started, so I've worked for Auto Trader or Cox Automotive for about 11 years. Now, is this in print and digital? No, I never worked on the print part. Okay. I only worked on the okay. internet part, and I'll tell you why. All right. At the time, I was looking for a job, and I all I was doing was freelance work. I worked on this show online called TransLogic, which mm -hmm. was basically a combination of technology and um, 
transportation. So we would go other places. We would do, we would do stories on like the traffic control system in Los Angeles or the bullet train in Japan or you know those types of things, not just cars, but you know transportation. transportation. Yeah. And then that was over. So I was looking for a job. I was just freelancing. And this guy who worked at Auto Trader had the idea that like, hey, why should an Auto Trader have reviews and written content? You know, it's it's moving to the point where it's going to be all online pretty soon anyway. I think at the time they were still doing the magazine, but I, I think they knew mm-hmm. that it was going to end up being all online. Because the way that you can search now online, like when I was looking for a car for my kid or even for myself, you can just put in your price parameters, the transmission type, the color, the interior color. And then you can tell Auto Trader, I only want to see cars in this price range that are this color with this transmission, with this engine and this interior color. So were you able to find a used Corvette for your kid? <laughs> no, <laughs> she did text me though. So my daughter is the one who actually is into cars. My son's really? not. My huh. daughter texted me. No, I'm not making this up. We're talking about different cars. And she texts me, dad, you know, you can get a used Corvette for $12,000. And I said, sweetheart, I'm just going to tell you this straight out. As a first car, you are not getting a 350-horsepower sports car. That's just not going to happen. Well, maybe it's something I can save up for. That's my girl. You save up for it. Exactly right. You're going to get something safe. And yes, yes. I think she's going to end up getting a Saab sedan. And oh, there you go. I'll tell you why. Because finding a car that has that safety equipment, head airbags, traction control, anti-lock brakes, all that kind of stuff, it's it's an inexpensive way to get those things. Now, I get some people are like, oh, just buy your kid a $3,000 car from the 90s and, you know, they'll learn. But when you have ed- head airbags and you have, yeah. I just difference. can't see putting big an difference. inexperienced kid into an SUV or a Jeep or something mm-hmm. with none of those. I just can't see A it. 78 LTD is a big car and you'll probably survive in it. But it's not the most safety-oriented. Right. But the car, see, the car will will, will last, but yeah. will the person? <laughs> the person. Yeah. I don't know. So here's the, the story is this guy, his name was, his name was uh, Scott Markle. And he, I was already freelancing, and he called and said, hey, we really want someone to create content. We're doing it a little bit. But we want someone to oversee this. We want someone to create a reviews section for AutoTrader. Would you be interested in doing that? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. From California. Now, the company wants the person to live here. That's kind of how they are. We'll pay for you to move or we'll, you know, we'll, we'll work all that kind of stuff out. But are you interested? And I was like, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a list of people that I think would be great for the job. And I gave him a list of people that I was like, these people would be great for that job. Meanwhile, my wife's parents both became ill and she's from Fort Lauderdale. And uncharacteristically, she said, hey, do you think you could – because she knew about the job. And I said, I'm not moving from California. Why would I ever do that? It's silly. And she said, do you think you could tell them maybe you would be interested in the job? Because then I can be closer to my family. And uh, she never asks for stuff. My wife is not the kind of person that's like, I have to have this and we better have that. She's just not like that. So for her to say, do you think you could – and I was like, yeah, okay, if that's what you really want – so I called the guy and I said, um, yeah, so what about me for that job? And he goes, yeah, I thought you were just negotiating. <laughs> no, I don't want the job. I'm not, doing, I'm not moving. <laughs> but then so I said, well, what about me? And he goes, yeah, it's kind of what I was hoping you would say. And so then from there, uh, we started with just two people and then we got three and then we got four. And now there's a whole team of, you know, 
maybe 15 or more people that create content for those, for both of those websites. And Kelly Blue Book was already doing it. You know, at the time they were two separate entities. And then at one point, Auto Trader purchased Kelly Blue Book and Cox now owns all of them as a larger automotive portfolio, you know, a way that you can serve consumers' needs in multiple ways. You can get your pricing, you can shop for the car, you can get advice, you can watch videos, all that kind of stuff. So Auto Trader wasn't doing that to begin with. And then I got to start that. So that was fun. That's cool. Yeah. How, how do you keep up with the different variants of different models of different manufacturers? Uh, I can't imagine trying to keep, you know, just, just pick one car that mm -hmm. comes or a truck that mm -hmm. comes in this 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 uh, group, that group. How do you keep track of all of that? Trucks stuff? are especially hard. And here's the thing: if you try to know every single thing there is to know about every single model, mm -hmm. it's you're not going to be successful. There's always going to be someone who knows more than you. And trucks alone, trucks are. If you just consider these few things, if you consider uh, a pickup truck, there's drive type so there's two wheel drive four wheel drive mm -hmm. okay now there's usually a choice of between two and four engines right and now there's cab size and bed size and now all the variations in between that's impossible you you wouldn't be able to right. you wouldn't i don't i don't have that committed to memory i know generally speaking that you can get a silverado with this engine and four wheel drive or not and this cab or not but if if i have to talk about something i'll study beforehand and go and check what's available. Generally speaking, if you read the reviews that people write for the websites or you go to the events, like there's events they have sometimes and they'll give you a briefing on like, hey, here's all the trim levels of the new Honda CRV. Right, yeah. If you just take notes and you know that kind of stuff, that's usually enough, but there's no way that you can ever know all there is to know about every single car. There's a handful of people that are like, you know, sort of the the Dustin Hoffman character in Rain Man. Right, yeah. You know, that know every last. Mm -hmm. They know the bolt pattern for every car that GM made from the 60s through today. I don't know that kind of stuff. And you, it's funny that you bring up trucks because trucks go beyond just the interior, exterior packages and the engines and that. You can, you can get into gear ratios. You can get yep. into towing Rear ranges. Ends. And, and uh, you know, if you advise people wrong or, yeah. you know, they haven't done their homework... Uh, I was recently looking at a post where a, a particular truck broke in half because mm -hmm. the guy had a camper on it. And when I looked at the camper, you know, it was one of these ones that slides up in the bed of the truck. Yeah. I looked at it and I thought, man, that way is, that thing is way too tail heavy. And then he hangs a motorcycle out the back yeah. on, a, on a hitch. Yeah. Holy cow. And I'm thinking, you know, you're waiting for a, a problem there. Right. And uh, so there's so many variables. And with, the length the of the bed matters yeah. and yeah. the 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 gear ratio for the rear end matters and the size of the wheels and tires matters yeah. all those things all you can do is just hope that when you have to talk about those things or have to write about those things is that the manufacturer has a good website that lays all that stuff out for you and and many of them do many of many of the american japanese and korean companies have have really good ones some of the german ones it's not it's not as intuitive to use but you can always call someone and ask that's true now, you've been around the car business all your life, it, you know, for the most part, or cars all your cars, life. Cars, yeah. I didn't know there was a business to it until later. I yeah. Was like, <laughs> yeah. This, you mean this isn't just free? Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the evolutions that you've seen? And let's just look at the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Just in, We've been doing the show for 10 years, so let's right. look at the last 10 years and the stuff that we've seen 
going on? What what does the last ten years look like to you? What, let's let's go with that first, and then I'll I'll throw the second question at you. I think just the proliferation of safety equipment. I mean, you guys must have noticed this too. Oh, yeah. oh sure. Yeah. Just that that pretty much it's it it'd be impossible to find a car now with anti lock brakes or, and you can still go back and find used cars, but you know those types of things. Um, I mean, without it. That's what I mean. With, yeah. Did I say yeah. with? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without it. Yeah. That would definitely be that would definitely be a challenge. I uh, I do think that there's something to be said for someday someone's going to want a luddite special with crank up windows and just a simple engine and a heater. And no radio, and that's it. Sure. I don't know. There's a lot of people that my father used to scream that. Yeah. Yeah. Take all the gingerbread off. Right. Roll up your own windows. But it turns out that it's cheaper to make cars that way because they all, when, when right. everything, it, it would be to the point where this car that I'm describing would be so expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the, the delete special yeah. has, it would yeah. be very expensive because everything would be a one-off. Everything would be a special order part. Right. That window crank yeah. would have to be manufactured just for those those 2,000 cars that they sold. So I think the safety, the proliferation of safety equipment, anti-lock brakes is on pretty much everything. Traction control, stability control, parking cameras, 360 parking cameras, like all that stuff is, it's good, but it's always surprising to me how people have this conversation about like, gosh, why can't cars get better gas mileage? Well, because you're adding extra weight to them every time you do that. That's right. So we can't have all. Um, that's the thing that I've noticed the most. And also, the other thing is that I, I've noticed is that, is that when it comes to electric cars, they're definitely good. Like they're, As a product, the electric car is, I think if the average American drove an electric car, I think they would like it. I really do think they would like it. But we seem to give it, the, uh, the electric car, as an idea, all of these passes. Well, it's gonna this and it's gonna that and pretty soon and well. Is it is is it better for the earth to dig up all that stuff? I don't know. Uh, I don't feel like people are not open to asking that. And we're also we're also supplementing the building and research of electric cars using tax dollars. Right, and, and profits from gasoline-powered cars. Yeah, I, this this is what I never hear, and this is I guess the part that that sort of surprises me or bothers me. So, I had a Volvo plug-in hybrid for mm-hmm. about a three-month period. I specifically asked for that so I could see how the plug-in hybrid part of it would work for me. Everyone's commute, everyone's daily life is different. How it worked for me was I plugged it in a, in the garage with no upgraded charger, just plugged into the wall to the 110. It would charge up overnight, nearly full or, or depending on what time you get up and go to work and all that kind of stuff. And then I would drive it the next day and that would be almost all on gas, or I'm sorry, on all electricity. Mm-hmm. And then if I had to go to the airport, then the gas engine kicks in. I was getting about 75 to 80 miles per gallon by doing that. Sure. I wasn't trying. I wasn't hypermiling. I wasn't coasting. I wasn't stopping at every charging station along the way. I didn't do any of that. I just used it in my normal everyday life. And I didn't let my wife use it because I knew she, she's like, I don't want the inconvenience of that. I just don't know why we why the conversation doesn't go something like this. If we're going to give all these passes to the electric cars for gonna, oh, they're going to be better. They're going to be. They're going to this. What about gas-powered cars? What if what if half of them on the road by 2050 will got 100 miles per gallon? That's right. What about that? Is that mm-hmm. is that a gonna that we can talk about? Yeah. No one wants to talk about that. No. I've said this, written something, and people say, oh, that would never happen. Well, it could happen if it's a hybrid. Yeah, like, but I remember when high, you know, when when high performance cars were, 
you were lucky to get 10 miles to the gallon. I drive a fairly high-performance car. I can get 30 miles to the gallon on the, on the highway right. with it. I, I mean, I get, does it make sense to sit idling on the freeway with a 6.2-liter supercharged V8 Correct, yeah. going 30 miles an hour? Probably not. That probably isn't the wisest thing. But to you do. can shut it off. I mean, a lot of the new ones shut themselves true. off. That's true. But at the same time, you can buy a Kia or a Hyundai hybrid and get 50-plus miles per gallon all day long. Correct. Like, that's not hard. That's not expensive. That's not... I just don't... I'm surprised that, like, that like if we're giving all the benefit of the doubt this one way, why aren't we also such rabid believers in the future of technology for these type of cars where we already know how they work? Well, what yeah, I think what drove the what drove the development of electronic carburetors and fuel injection and all that wasn't bang for the buck. Mm-hmm. It was it was all the regulations that were on the car. Right. You couldn't meet the emissions controls if you didn't do this. Right. And so that at that point, then you start to ask yourself, like, is that is that ser- who's who's that serving? Yeah. I don't know, and I'm not saying I know the answers. I'm not saying that I have anything against. Electric cars. It's been politicized, obviously, to the point where I've written pieces that say, hey, this Kia EV6, what a great car that is. It's an all-electric car. It's good-looking. It looks like a car from the future should look like. You know, too many times you see an electric car and you're like, Mm -hmm. that just looks like a normal car. It looks weird. You know, I don't want that. But then Tesla taught us what we really wanted was something cool-looking with great performance and with a luxurious interior. That's what we really want from an electric car. So they gave car. us two out of three. So they gave us two out of yeah. three. I don't know how they've gotten away with not changing the look all this time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and the interiors are I don't, kind of school buses. Okay, on the Model S, well, I think it's very nice. Yes. On the Model 3, I don't... The less is more thing, that doesn't work for me. And everything going through that main central screen, even your blinkers, the turn signal, I don't like that. I don't like that. But look at what everybody else has done. Everybody's emulating Tesla now. Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are the big EV players right now? Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Jaguar. You know, these there are these expensive cars. And now Kia and Hyundai come along, and they have slightly less expensive. So that's been the biggest change that I've seen is that, like, is that people don't know enough to make wise decisions, but yet the technology is changing so quick that the, some things are going to get left behind. I don't think the average person knows that if you just go buy a Honda Accord hybrid, you don't have to plug it in. Right. You just put Right. Most in. people don't even realize right. how all that works. Right. And Mr. Toyota of Toyota, mm-hmm. you know, when he made that announcement the other day, it was a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's almost like he became a pariah when he said it is does not make good sense to put all your money into electric vehicles when it's obvious that there's not enough infrastructure to support it. And yet the reasoning that he says a lot of people in the auto manufacturing industry are afraid to say that mm. is because of share prices. Mm. Shareholders will start running scared thinking, oh, you don't have the technology that volkswagen has or the gm yeah. has you are you saying that we should take our money and go put it into another company it's an interesting exercise in diversity like everyone talks about like that's kind of a buzzword diversity but in order to have something truly diverse whether it's cars or whether it's a workforce or whatever it is you really want the thing behind the facade to be different and diverse diversity isn't let's have something you know, a monolith behind the scenes, but we put different facades on it. That's not no, that's beneficial. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So 
so what the Toyota guy is saying is it's healthy financially and because we want to have what the consumer wants to have a diverse group of offerings. Right. And since when has anybody ever said, hey, bud, I've got a great investment idea for you. It's called all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. It's be fine. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. we're going to make sure that it succeeds. Buy high, sell low. That's that's Tim and I on cars. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> All eggs in one basket. That's yeah. fine. And the same with like hiring practices, the same with like the diversity of a state, how they invest. When you over leverage yourself on manufacturing, for example, that we saw in the 90s and 2000s, well, what happens? You're vulnerable. You're risking losing your way of life. Right. If it wasn't for the Kia factory in, in West Point, Georgia, I don't know what would happen to the town that was there. They didn't, the state does a good job, the state of Georgia, the state of California, other states, they do a good job of diversifying. They have tourism, they have agriculture, they have business. So if you look at, you know, the the state that we're in right now, they, they have lots of different businesses. Nobody would ever suggest, you know what, all in on manufacturing, forget everything else. Don't worry about tourism. No, right. That's right. And it's the same thing with, I think that's what the Toyota guy was saying. It's the same thing with, he's saying, having a diverse array of offerings is the best way to reach our consumers. Sure. And sure. That, I think that makes total sense. Well, some of the some of the major manufacturers here in the States of, of automobiles have declared themselves in the next 10 years, they want to be transportation companies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about just building a car they want to transport people around in whatever right. form right that you know they choose transportation as a service as a service yeah right where you pay a monthly right. fee for whatever i'm leery of anything that tries to remove low cost free easy access to personal mobility and transportation mm-hmm. that's good to hear that that but that's a that's i feel like that those that having free and inexpensive access to personal mobility and transportation is synonymous with freedom. That's That just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. You want to have people to have access. Anytime technology comes along, it does seem like there's a tendency to take it to its fullest and most logical, maybe even wrongdoing type of conclusion. So having diversity in the middle, having what Toyota said is having some people who want to buy hybrids, that's a great idea. Hybrids really work well. Plug-in hybrids also work really well. And electric cars also work really well. In the right situation. In the right situation. Right. So one of the things that we know from doing surveys at, at, at Cox Automotive is that 80% of electric vehicle owners charge their cars up at home. That's great. If that's you and you have a way to charge your car up on your property, you're going to have a great experience. Sure. You're going to love that. But... If you got to hang an extension cord out your apartment window, you're not going to. That's that's the whole thing, and mm-hmm. I and I feel like sometimes the conversation has been painted into like, well, people who live in apartments can't really afford new electric cars anyway. That's not true. No, in many cities in this country, people choose to live in apartments not because it's what they can afford; it's because it's what they really want. They want to live in the middle of a city and be where the action is and have no yard to take care of, right? And have a doorman, and I go up to my apartment. I have a cleaning service yep. or a planned community yep. with townhouses. It's not about, you know, always financial. So the idea that it works for most of the population right now, that's good. It'll help. But for the most part, there's a part of the population that's being left out from that. And I don't know what the solution for that is. Tim and I have had several conversations, especially in the past few months, about municipalities mm-hmm. going all in on electric vehicles 
uh, first of all, the purchases are subsidized by us. Uh-huh. And uh, it's close to home with the uh, Gwinnett school system wanted to buy a bunch of electric buses. Mm-hmm. Well, they found out, you know, the the they found out the buses were twice the cost of a regular bus. Right. And then you had to put in a charger that was a three-phase charger, which is a couple hundred thousand dollars to install the thing. Mm-hmm. And and their the reason for doing it was very humble or very you know very good, and they wanted to clean up the air and that. Right. Uh, but it, it doesn't seem like the the purchasing and the the people were it doesn't seem like everybody was talking to each and each other about you know right. what's going on you I know agree. yeah this is great it'll accomplish this but here's it's like the electric vehicles we're building these batteries you just mentioned a, a while back we don't know what we're digging out of the ground to do it right and what are we going to do in eight years when we start having to get rid of these batteries or the solar panels yeah mm-hmm. is there a robust recycling plan for that yeah. or the windmills that do it i think there's just there's some unanswered questions it doesn't mean that electric cars are bad no because as a product as a thing they're they're really good most of them are like you drive it and you go yeah i really like this i think it does make sense for municipalities to say something like this we have a bunch of cars that don't do anything except drive up and down the city center and give out parking tickets. Mm-hmm. Could that be electric? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Let's do that. And yeah. then you're polluting that much less. Um, the same with, uh, you know, larger cities are going to have things like, I don't know, the government has um, uh, people that do evictions or they have uh, legal, you know, go out and check on this, go get water samples. Those could be and should be electric vehicles or, right. or low carbon right. type of vehicles. Right. Inner city uh, delivery trucks, yeah, box for trucks, sure. yeah, stuff that makes, like that. Sure. Something that's going to go home at night and plug in. Yep. But yep. if you've got something like a New York City garbage truck and you want to plow snow with it, yeah. it's only going to last three hours, yeah. you're, you're, you're dead in the water. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. And so I, I, the, while electric cars have their place, it just seems like sometimes the conversation about that is not completely honest. Mm-hmm. They're not bad. They shouldn't be politicized. No, no. Because no. every time I write something favorable about electric cars online, it'll be some comment about, oh my gosh, more liberal talking. Oh, things. exactly. Exactly. I'm not writing it's... it for a political reason. What yeah. if I actually just think the Hyundai Ionic 5 is great? What if? What about that? As what a... if I just think that everyone who drives it would really love it? As a mechanic, it's got one moving part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and and that's what I see with them. Yeah. It's basically one moving part, but we don't have the technicians yet. Yes. To to take care of that one moving part. And do you think the average person knows that electric cars that you buy today and hybrids that you buy today have a very long warranty on the battery and hybrid? That's why I mentioned eight years. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't think people are. know that. And also, I feel like the Toyota Prius is a, we've run the experiment on reliability. Oh, absolutely. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah, if your battery goes out in a big, long-range electric car, of course it's going to be expensive. But in terms of them just failing at high numbers, the it, Prius is a perfect example of, like, those. There's some of those things are 200,000 miles plus, and they're still on the road every day. Plus, plus, right? I still yeah. see the old the old, uh, old series Chevy Volts out there. Right. I mean, the first ones came right. out. So I think there's what's, what's funny is there's a lot of myths on both sides. There's a lot of, like, well, that's not true. And then on the other side, there's like, well, that's also not true. <laughs> there has to be a little bit more of like a middle ground. You know what I mean? So what do we see in the next 10 years? George Jetson, you know, opening his briefcase, getting the car out. 
Would you really want? Okay, you see how people drive. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Would we, you really no. want someone flying? <laughs> no, a, no, 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 no. See, that's no. the thing that I don't think people get. Uh, I wouldn't want that either. I I do think that 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 automated driving features and automated driving services could become more of a thing. Everyone says autonomous. I don't think that's the right word. Because wouldn't an, isn't this what an autonomous car would be? You get in and you punch in the coordinates and say, okay, I have, or you just speak out loud, hey, I want to go to work. And then the car says, I'd rather go to the beach. That's autonomy. The yeah. car <laughs> decides for itself what it wants to do. But automated is when it takes certain features of the driving thing and, and says, I can take over here. I think we'll see more of that. The What's idea, the difference between that and, and a martyr train? Um, <laughs> what's the, well, because this is what I've noticed is that because you can get in one and it comes to my door and I stay in that one thing oh, okay. until my destination. This is what happens with the, what I've noticed with the with the subway, whether it's Marta or whatever. Yeah, right. I get in the car and I'm like and I tell myself, I'm going to go park at the I'm going to go park at the train station and I'm going to take the train to the airport. I'm going to sure. take the train because, you know, you'll get there. Right. I know in a there. reasonable amount of time. Yes. Yeah. And then I get. Right up to the point where I have to turn off for the parking lot, and it says something like the lot is full, mm-hmm. or and I'm like, oh, never mind. I'm just going to keep going. That's usually what happens if it can be more convenient, if it started near my house. Because for me, all the coming and going, in the car, out of the car, grab your bag, on the train, out of the train, on the plane, in through security, that all adds hassle. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel as rested when i get when i get to the destination where i fly i have to work most of the time like unless you're on family vacation when you get off the plane it's time to to go you don't get to like oh geez i'm so tired from all that yeah it's not like you relax through the process you don't get to do that yeah it'd be nice if your car could take you to the airport and then go back home i think what will happen is like what you're saying is but it'll be more on a route Mm-hmm. So sort of like in San Francisco, they have these muni buses. They've had them for years. They're electric buses with the yeah. wires over. The, okay. They only go on a pre-prescribed route because they're electric and they they can't go off. They can't sure, go they, off they their own grid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't just drive one down to the, you know, down to the bridge. So something like that, a virtual route, airport shuttle. Mm-hmm. Think of that. An airport shuttle, rather than building those big elaborate trains that go from the terminal to the to the rental car counter or from the terminal to the next terminal? Couldn't it just be some buses that have the coordinates already mapped in? Cheaper. You don't have to build all the tracks. You just paint some lines on the road or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not an engineer. <laughs> Something like that. I think that's likely. Automation for limited applications. How Parking about, shuttles. How about other fuels for cars? We've, we've all read about hydrogen, natural gas, propane. Uh, I don't know. Anybody making a wood-fired car? I'd probably... <laughs> They used to. But. It's funny you should mention that because in <laughs> around 2009, with this show that I worked on, this show called TransLogic, we found a guy that had a Mercury Cougar XR7, and he converted it to run on wood pellet, on on organic pellets, like Traeger pellets or something like that. Some Whatever he could get, yeah, he yeah. would had a pellet making machine. I think he would just get, he would just get manure or wood or whatever it was organic material and he could make pellets for whatever reason and he drove this car on pellets steam steam power no it was like it was still combustion it was still like it still had the original engine 
I don't remember what the process was, but somehow there was a, there was a, somehow heating that up to a certain degree. Maybe it was, but it didn't, it didn't have steam coming out of it. It just drove like a regular car. Interesting. The range was terrible. You had to use a lot of pellets <laughs> to just get, you know what I mean? You got to tow a trailer of pellets <laughs> yeah, behind you. Basically, yes. Uh, I, I think, so when you look at the hydrogen powered cars, um, Hyundai mm-hmm. and Toyota are the, the ones that come to mind. They really, they're nice. Like, I really like them. The Hyundai's is called a Nexo, and I think you can only get it in California. But you go to a hydrogen station, and you fuel up compressed hydrogen the way that you would gasoline. It's quick. It's not like, that's the thing with electric cars is people don't understand. Like, why don't they just put in chargers at where the gas station is? Well, because it takes you five minutes to gas your car up, and it's going to take an hour yeah, if each you put it at a convenience person. store, you're taking a parking place. Right, but yeah. each now you have to wait. Each person ahead of you is an hour? Yeah. Right now, if there's a line for gas, it's like each, pers- each person ahead of you is like five, ten minutes maybe. Right. Even if you have a big truck. So with the hydrogen, it's kind of like a balance. It's still an electric car, mm-hmm. but you fill it up with compressed hydrogen. They drive great. The What's Toyota's called? Mirai? I think that's what it's called. I think very, so, yeah. very nice car. Very nice looking, very attractive, quick, all that kind of stuff. But you never plug it in. And same with the Hyundai. I think that could be a possibility. And then I don't know about propane or or natural gas. Those probably. Uh, Propane, a a long time ago I've messed around with them uh, through another college, but... And they were running a lot of stuff on propane. The advantage to that is we were still we still had carburetors, oh. so you could run, you know, you could take a carbureted car and run it on propane. Well, and you know, fleets change like the jets and away you yeah. go. You know, UPS and FedEx are using LNG and CNG, compressed natural uh-huh. gas or liquefied natural gas, going from terminal to terminal on their routes. Yeah, and that works out. I you think know, that kind of stuff. It, makes it goes back sense. to what you said. It's not just one thing. Yes, it's but it's it's a combination. Yes, of true. what works best for each situation. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. What's next for Brian Moody? Now that you've made it on the Bud's Crouch Overdrive, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, find a car for my daughter. That's the main thing. That isn't a sports car. That isn't a sports car. Um, I would love to do. Something like, you ever see this show on Saturday or Sunday morning? Oh, now I'm not going to remember the name of it. Henry Ford's Innovation Nation. You ever seen that? I have not. Okay, so there's a museum in Michigan called the Henry Ford. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's Been a great it. museum. Yeah. Yep. They shoot a TV show there, and I think it's on CBS, and they just talk about all kinds of cool technology. I would love to do something like that. But that's more focused on cars, like the past, the present, the future, how it works, what the impact of it is. I just think there's so many of those stories to tell, whether it's an individual person that's bought, you know, there was a Ford reunion once where this guy had an original Mustang that his father-in-law built on the assembly line, gave to his daughter. They got married. The father passed away. And then he restored it as a gift for his daughter, for his his wife who was the the guy's daughter as a gift and so they had this original mustang that her father built by hand on the line there's all kinds of stuff like that not only that but technology and how the stuff you're asking how will hydrogen impact the way we drive our cars what does it look like to get 100 miles per gallon what about pre-prescribed all that kind of stuff i would love to do something like that Hmm. interesting 
Now, we were not around in the 20s. (laughs) (laughs) But there was a time there were more electric vehicles registered in the United States. That's true. Henry Ford was building gasoline cars. And what was his wife's name? Mary? Mary? No, I'm thinking of Mary Ford, the singer. Mrs. Ford. Yes. She drove a Detroit electric. She didn't want anything to do with the smelly cars and... All that, so it's funny how it's all all And they're not changed. that much different. Like at the time, you could get an electric car to go about, oh, I don't know, 50 or 60 miles. Well, but they did only the go... milk, milk trucks and stuff were battery powered. Yeah, and yeah. it would only go 25 miles an hour. But at the time, they realized, well, you don't, you, it, they crazily thought, you don't need to go from zero to 60 in three seconds. Well, 60 was That's crazy crazy fast. talk, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you need to go 60 miles an hour? Right. Yeah, I have seen those electric cars that they were they were sold as a cleaner, you know, less crude version of a car. And I think that's what people are going to get. The people who don't care about cars, they're going to get into an electric car and they're going to say, this is quiet and smooth and I don't have to do anything but turn it on and the steering is easy. Those people are going to be in. The people who love the idea of the gasoline-powered car and the noises it makes and the feelings that it gives you, they're still going to want to do that. And honestly, I still think that they're probably going to be around for a while. I think the combination is going to be around for many years. I think it offer, offers new opportunities. Uh, Borla makes a a sound system now, so your Mach-E yeah. will sound like a yeah. gasoline car shifting and everything else. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. But if you do, you know, driving a Mach-E GT, yeah. it's instantaneous. I yes. mean, it's for you, because your torque is at one RPM. Yes. Instantaneous as far as that goes. But so, I don't know about having the, the new charger with the sounds. What about, stuff. so no, what if know. what if the car only makes a sound for the driver? There you go. Is that silly? No. Now, what if the, what if the car makes a sound for everybody on the outside, but it's a manufactured sound? Is that silly? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I don't know what to think about. I that. think it is, we and, were, unless you're wanting to warn people that you're. Well, that's alerting. called a horn. Yeah, you know? right. But we were talking about uh, um, Joe Gibbs Racing has built an electric car for yeah. their for their pit stops, yeah. which makes great totally, sense. Totally. If you've been to, if you you know, I've been to a lot of pit stops at cup garages and stuff like that. Noisy, noisy, noisy. You're trying yeah. to communicate. You got radios on. All this yeah. kind of jazz. Yeah. So Tim and I were thinking, if they convert all the NASCAR Cup cars, the noisy, you know, to a thousand horsepower electric car, then we could start building headphones that, you know, make the sound of the old cars, and you, you can sit there in the stands and talk to each other. Or you never know. I got He's going to take idea. it and run with it. I got a better idea. I see dollar signs. Each car. You have a specific RFID frequency from the car being broadcast to the stands, and you can set your headset on different channels, and you can pick which sound profile that the car is, has how you want to hear it. Like, let's say it broadcasts three yeah. or four. You can hear, if you want to hear, you can hear that. Yeah. If you want to hear a Keith Black built V8, you can hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear the Jetsons right. noise, you can hear that. Right, right. Or like a... A, a steam locomotive going 80 miles an right. hour, you know? That's it. And it's t- all it's tied to is the wheel speed of the car. It just goes up and down. Yeah. We, well, why we, not? Why not? Okay. Probably a good <laughs> million dollar idea. We can go on, yeah. And, and somebody's going somebody's gonna to pirate it. I know that now. But uh, Brian Moody, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. To meet you, have you in here. Yeah, this is nice. And, and uh, 
you know, discuss all this because we're all car guys. Well, you guys say you guys work so hard. This is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, some of us I'm have real jobs. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, when we're not here, he's he's upholstering, and I'm oh gosh. Yeah, you got a lot going on, bud. Yeah, I know. I'm you know I'm building cars that you can't find parts for most of the time. Hmm, care to take on a sob project? No, it sounds like a sob yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> it is a sob <laughs> story. <laughs> I had a sob customer. She said, you know what sob stands for? S-O-B. <laughs> <laughs> it's not spelled that way. <laughs> no, no, I know. Well, she had had a, uh, the local sob dealer here in on the north side of Atlanta closed their service oh, department yeah. at 4 or 4.30. And she had asked, well, I'm on my way home from work. Would you mind just waiting for, yeah. nope, nope, yeah. nope. Very inflexible. Mm-hmm. Well, I found a place in Woodstock that works on stuff. So oh, that's awesome. That. That's yeah. Woodstock, Georgia. You may mm-hmm. have to, you know, bring your car here yes. to do it. But right. Tell us how to use the services of Kelly Blue Book and AutoTrader. Yeah, AutoTrader is just AutoTrader.com. And there's lots of good advice, um, articles, videos. But, you know, mainly it's a marketplace, cars for sale. And you can just sort so many different it saves time and you can save your search so that it will just remind you every now and then when a new whatever you're looking for bmw 3 series or if there's a price drop or whatever it will send you a note and say hey the car that you were looking at the price is lower or here's all the three series with a sunroof tan leather interior manual transmission like that's and it'll communicate that to you and it will yeah that is so cool and then for kelly blue book it's a a similar but you use that obviously for the pricing and they have as well advice articles and that's kbb.com and that's a good place to figure out what price you should be paying uh, what's your current car worth Um, a lot of advice pieces on what do i do if my car is totaled can i buy it Um, what do i do for winter driving that kind of stuff you go to florida (laughs) <laughs> That's one thing you can do. <laughs> Brian Moody, uh, executive editor for Kelly Blue Book, yep. Auto Trader. Thanks for taking the time to Thank be you. with us here yeah. on Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast. And we're going to bug you, you know, at least a dozen times this year to come back on the radio show. I'm here. Now yeah. I know how to get here. Now you know how to get here. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm excited about this next uh, bit of information we're going to give you because it comes from our favorite pulley system provider that would be concept one pulley system yeah they're right here in coming georgia and they have got a victory series pulley system that fits your your ls engines that have superchargers on them if you have an lsa engine or an lsa supercharger kit um, the supercharger systems kind of vary widely Mm -hmm. so if you're if you're putting a supercharger on your engine or it's a factory supercharged engine you need to reach out to Concept One and see how you can tidy up that system. You know, get it get it with one or two belts and possibly relocate some things on the engine so it fits into your chassis if you're building building a specific car. Okay. Best way to to do that is to reach out to Concept One. Uh, their phone number is on the website and talk to our guys there. You know, you talk to Kevin or Randy, mm-hmm. and they you know they put these systems together on actual engines and have everything ready to go for you. And it's just put in a box. It's got all the hardware, all the spacers. You know, you've got your different choices of power steering pumps, alternators, stuff like that, for whatever you're gonna put in your car. Right, so that saves a lot of trips to oh, the wrecking yard. Well, you, this stuff you can't <laughs> get from the wrecking yards. And in future uh, future shows, we're gonna talk about some systems they got. This is good for up to 10 pounds boost, mm-hmm. but they've got some systems now that'll 
allow you to go to much higher boost and, uh, you know, still, still keeps the belts on the engines. Yeah, right. Okay. Check out all they've got to offer from uh, pushrod engines, uh, LS engines, uh, you know, Ford, Chevrolet, concept1pulleysystems.com. Perfect reaction times. Well, as the man just said, Tim, reaction time, reaction time, and a little music there. And uh, just had a great guest with us, uh, Brian Moody from Auto Trader and KellyBlueBook.com. What's uh, what were your thoughts? We've got a heck of an ally, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I don't think there's anyone that I know that knows more about what's going on with all the different models and manufacturers and electrification and gasoline and what's coming down the line and what we should be looking for than Brian Moody. He's well, he he's just the all-around car guy he's exposed to so much and so many did you see what he was driving yeah wow pretty cool $150,000 electric Mercedes uh right. SUV you know something driving it for for uh to give his impression yeah, of the car and things like purposes. that I mean how did you get that gig because well. I'd love to be his assistant <laughs> well the thing that I didn't know about Brian we've had him on the show probably I don't know we've five six times a year at least right. so we, we've had him on the show a bunch after 10 years and uh never got to to meet him and he was just as I expected a young guy uh but the, what I wasn't expecting was he grew up in the car culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of folks get into these media jobs that get into it and, you know, they know enough about it to do the job. But, no, he's he's a car guy. Right. You know, he's got right. project cars and things like that. And I think that gives you a different perspective on, uh, you know, history of cars, what's coming, where it's going. Mm-hmm. And then he stays, you know, on a daily basis, his, his uh, fingers on the pulse of the business end of it. Right. Well, and like us, he is consumed by all things transportation well, yeah. related. Yeah. But yet where I, I'd only focus on the stuff that I like because of his position, he's forced to look at everything, stuff he that, that's on his radar and and that hasn't been on his radar that becomes part of it yeah we uh you know we 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 don't purposely do it but we're kind of more oriented towards the american manufacturers and stuff like sure. that because uh, that's where we are well in the stuff we like yeah and the manufacturers that we might have had a negative thought about for one reason or another or just never focused that you on never before. quite managed to sugarcoat yeah i understand <laughs> that but um <laughs> No, like so we uh, we just are fortunate to have folks like him as guests mm-hmm. on Bud's Garage Overdrive because we're trying to reach out for something that, you know, entertains and informs everyone. Right. You know, whether you're the car guy or the casual listener, because everybody's driving something. Right. And if you're not driving something, you're riding, you're riding in something, something and you want to know a little bit about it, maybe. Mm-hmm. So uh, Brian Moody will be back to uh, update us on on other things for sure. I'll be looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Restoring a classic muscle car? Look no further than yearone.com. They are restoring American performance. Uh, Year One has got a great website. You go to the website, you can get a $250 discount, and you can go and get subscribed to the email blast. Mm -hmm. You don't just, you know, you don't pay anything for it, but they will put you on the list every week. And all the great things that they're blasting out for the week is on special. You can see what it is. And it might right. be it might be seat brackets, it might be radiators, it might be wheels and, 
and uh, wheel kits mm-hmm. and uh, all, all the stuff that they offer in their catalogs. And if you mention Bud 20, that could get you a 20% discount on eligible items. Oh, wow. So everything they've got, you know, is for your classic muscle right. car. And uh, they have got it all. And, uh, you know, whether whether you're getting ready for cruising, you know, which is pretty weather's coming up, mm-hmm. or you just want to freshen up your muscle car or maybe completely redo it, and they can help you. Check them out at yearone.com, your classic muscle car restoration experts. Okay. Well, that just about wraps us up, Tim. I want to thank some folks uh, for helping us out today. Bill Wilson, uh, trying to keep us, uh, <laughs> yeah, trying to keep us organized. Let's put it that way. Uh, I remember when Bill had a little hair left yeah. before this started. <laughs> well, we grade it first, and now it's falling out. So. Yeah. Uh, Lanier uh, Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, Year One, for helping us support the program. Uh, Brian Moody, of course. Mm-hmm. And all of you for tuning in and listening to Bud Scratch Overdrive. Next week's podcast will feature Doug Feehan. He was the former head of Corvette Racing for 25 years. Boys, he got a very, very interesting story to tell. Yes, he does. Let's not forget about Bud's Garage, the radio show on WDUN, which is AM 515 and FM 102.9. Uh, we feature local guests and their expertise, but you can transfer that over to your folks that are in your hometown mm-hmm. that have similar situations be it a car dealership an independent garage or whatever and you know maybe we can give you some good tips to communicate with those people and ask them the right questions based on what we're doing on the radio show sure so and that is also available at your favorite podcast site all right so you got bud's garage radio show bud's garage overdrive the podcast Remember to keep between the ditches and shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here at Bud Scratch Overdrive, the podcast.